0: Yes, as Sister Marilyn mentioned, we do, we've got a whole shipment of these in. So if you're in that class, in the Connect class at 9 o'clock, this is what they're doing. And even if you're not in that class, you could come to the class. <laughs> or you could still get this book, because it's really, really good. We, w- we want to avoid tragedy. There's a lot of confusion, I think, about the source of tragedy. And this helps dispel that, because we know God's good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Chris sends his love. He always wants me to make sure to say that. And so sometimes I forget, sometimes not. But y'all know he, he loves you. And he'll be here Wednesday night. So praise the Lord. All right. Father God, we just thank you today for this opportunity we have to come and just learn more about you and And what you would have to say to us today that would help (coughs) encourage us and help lift us up, Lord, to a higher place. And I thank you for utterance this morning. I thank you for giving me the words to speak, um, that the people are helped, and that we would get it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Turn with me to Romans 8. And a few weeks ago, We started, I started with you talking about following in the footsteps of Jesus. So we're going to keep on that today. And this is our text scripture in Romans 8, verse 29, I mean 28 and 29. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we see right here um, that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. So that is our assignment. That is our assignment, is to become more like Jesus. And who wants to be more like Jesus? Who who needs to be more like Jesus? (laughs) So, yeah. It's everybody. It's everybody. Um, and we, we know Jesus is our Redeemer. He's our Savior. But he's our example, too, of how to live effectively here on the earth and, and victoriously. Amen? Y'all remember all those, the WWJD bracelets and little knick-knack things? And that's kind of what I think, you know. What would Jesus do? That's kind of what we're learning in this series is what would Jesus do? I mean, if someone cut you off, in the, would, what would Jesus do? Would he give that person the bird? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> I know you guys. No. Um, yeah, he wouldn't act that way. He wouldn't give that person a piece of the, your mind. So, Yeah. If you're having trouble in a situation, okay, what would Jesus do right now? All right. And, and we we learn this, we Jesus is not conforming to us. We're the ones, we're the ones that need to change. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus, he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't need to change, but he's not changing. He's not. So we started looking at his example for us, and just as a little recap, my recaps will be short. <laughs> I always have to pick, I always have to pick at him, you know. Okay, so what did we learn? We, we looked over in Luke 2, and we learned that Jesus is, was a student. Over in the Luke 2, on, in the account of when his family and him, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover. Right, the whole family, a little entourage and all that. Well, when it was done, they picked up their whole group of them and went home. Or they were going there. And then it took them a little while, but they realized eventually that, well, hey, is anybody seen Jesus? You know, no, nobody's seen Jesus. Where is he? He was supposed to be with us. Well, he was not with them. Now, he was 12 years old. I don't know about you, but if all of a sudden my 12-year-old, you know, you should, I'm just saying, they should have known Jesus wasn't with them when they left Jerusalem. <laughs> they should have done a head count anyway. But beside the point, he was not there. They went back to Jerusalem, and I had to reread it because I thought, okay, well, three days' time, yeah, that, but you know what? They got back to Jerusalem. They searched for three days in Jerusalem before they found him. They were only a day's journey out. They got back. They had to search for 3 days to find him. But they did find Jesus, and he where was he? He was in the church. And they walked How can you be mad at that? You know. He was in the church, you know. But yeah, he was in the church and he was listening and he was asking questions. Because Jesus, even Jesus, you know, he, he needed to learn some things. As a man, as someone growing up, he needed to learn some things. So, um, but he was in the place to learn. And so if we're a student, we're going to be in the right place, right? We're going to be in a place that we hear the Word. And he, be a student. So never stop being a student of the Bible. Okay, and remember with this we talked about revelation knowledge versus head knowledge. And that revelation knowledge is, is different because you can read, 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 read and be able to quote a bunch of scripture, but that's not the same as revelation knowledge. Okay, because revelation knowledge, it's when your heart gets it. It's when there's a, something clicks on the inside. And that comes by the Spirit of God. Revelation, you say you have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to get revelation knowledge. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So meditate in the scripture and ask and believe God to give you that revelation. And meditation is not just a quick Passover. I'm going to read, I'm just going to get a, I'm going to read, I'm not going to read the Bible in a year, I'm going to read it in two months. Well, (laughs) that's good. But also, have that a block of time. Also have a time where you're just going to sit and dwell on a passage or something that God points out to you and you realize, I need to get more out of this than just learning what the words say. Okay, and change will come. Change will come in your life once you have that revelation knowledge. Amen? So he was a student of the Word and he also, he desired the Father's will. Amen? John 5.30, you don't need to turn there, but he said, I can of myself do nothing. So Jesus is saying he can do nothing of himself. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own. but uh, He does not seek his own will, but the will of the Father who sent him. So, yes, Jesus needed God's help, and so do we. Amen. Amen? And he wasn't after what he wanted. He was after what God wanted. And so... Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to lay aside your plans for God's plans if they don't match up, right? So, yeah. Praise God. Do you talk about to God about important decisions or do you just decide? <laughs> We don't know these things unless we're told these things, do we? Because we're, we're taught to just come and you make wise decisions. You think about things. You mm-hmm. pros and cons it. And then you make a decision. Yeah. Right. But we need to also be taught that there's a, a better guide to the decision. Amen? Mm-hmm. Because God may tell you something, or His, His counsel may be something that doesn't make sense to your brain. Yeah. Right. So, we need to include God. We need to Get his counsel on our life. Amen? And if you want to follow Jesus' example, you need to do that. And we talked about how do we seek his will? How how are we in his will? We're going to follow his word. His word is his will. Amen? That's number one. Follow any specific leadings he gives you in prayer. Um, And then follow peace. Amen. Amen? If you don't have a specific word... In, written down in here about a situation or you, don't, you haven't gotten anything specific direction from God about it, we'll follow peace. Amen. If you've got peace once you start heading in a direction, that green light on the inside, yeah. you're safe. <laughs> if you start moving a certain way, even if it looks like it's a good way or a good decision, but something just feels off, something feels mm, scratchy on the inside Like, you don't even know why. A lot of times we try to figure out, why? Why am I feeling that? Why am I feeling uneasy about this? And because we think, unless we know the reason why, maybe we shouldn't go with it. But God expects us to follow his yes and no, even if we don't understand, or even if he doesn't tell us why. He's like, because I said so. (laughs) You know? Anyway, if you're doing those three things, you're going to be in his will. Follow his word, follow the witness of your spirit. Amen. Follow peace. So that's what we went over a few weeks ago. And so we're going to continue this morning in following the footsteps of Jesus. And I want to talk about overcoming temptation. Jesus' way. Jesus' way. So let's go to Hebrews 4. Amen. If we just live our lives like Jesus did, we'll be good. Okay, Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God... Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And there is so much we can get out of this, but it says here that Jesus is our high priest. When, you think of the only, when we hear the term priest now, we're thinking about like the Catholic church or whatever. But, um, you know, a priest is a mediator. Yeah. Now you go to the priest and you confess your sins and then he says you're forgiven and all that. I don't know if that's what happens, you know, because I've never been to, <laughs> to a confessional like that. But anyway, I'm assuming that's kind of how it goes. Um, but Jesus is our high priest. Yeah. We, don't need, we don't need a high priest here. We just need the high priest who who is Jesus. And he's the mediator. He's standing in the gap between us and God. The Father God. Amen. He he's pleading our case for us. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God. Hallelujah. And in verse 15, notice he's the one pleading our case, and it says here. He, he does sympathize with our weaknesses. And he was tempted. Whatever temptation you faced in life, Jesus has faced these temptations. He has faced these temptations. So he understands. He's, he's pleading and he's uh, arguing our case with God from a point of he understands what, what we face and what the temptations that we deal with. Amen? But yet he did not sin, did he? he? He handled temptation in a way, and we're going to talk about that. Um, and he showed us how to do it. Amen? But he is our high priest, and he's in heaven. He is, he is pleading our case. Amen? Right. Amen. Amen. And Amen. we thank God. Um, in, in verse 16, it says, because of that, because Jesus is there, and he, he's our high priest, because he's there, let us come boldly. Come boldly. He does not want us to come cowered down. He wants us to come boldly. Amen. Praise God, holding fast our confession of faith, trusting Him in what He did. We can come boldly. Praise God. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Satan, in, in Revelation verse tw- in, uh, chapter 12, it, it calls him the accuser of the brethren. And so no doubt, Satan, Satan is constantly accusing you in the courtroom of heaven. He is bringing a case against you. He's coming before the judge and telling the judge all the things that you've done wrong. Accusing, accusing. You know, he's got a case. And probably he, he's got some facts, right? <laughs> he's got some facts he's using in the courtroom. Praise God. He's going to bring his, his facts and present his case. But Jesus, remember, Jesus, he's our mediator. Think of him, he's like our lawyer he's in standing there in our behalf and so satan comes and he does all his accusations but then jesus goes objection your honor right and why objection we plead the blood amen I there is a trump card in heaven and it's the blood of jesus Amen. So when Satan goes and accuses and accuses and he's got some evidence. He's got some evidence. But Jesus says, we We don't need to plead the fifth. The fifth, you know, where you don't have to talk and say anything. No, we don't plead the fifth. We plead the blood. And the blood speaks. The blood says something. The blood says they're redeemed. The blood says they're forgiven. Come on. The blood says they're cleansed. Yes. And, and God, and the judge, the Father God, he's like, sustained, yep. you know. <laughs> yeah, the blood, that's the, that's the key right there. Amen, so Jesus is our high priest. Praise the Lord, thank you Lord. That You know, we're not in, when it says come boldly to the throne of grace, we can do that because we know we're not there on our own merit. We're there on his merit. (laughs) Jesus is the only reason we can come boldly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that he's our high priest? Amen. Amen. Praise God. When when we miss it, he stands up to plead our case. Amen. Praise the Lord. It says in verse 16, it says... uh, Come boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Now, mercy, that's for, that's for when we've missed it. Yeah. Mercy is, Lord, you know, Lord have mercy on me, you know. That's, right. yeah. that's for when we've missed it. We get mercy. Yeah. You know, he expects us to be merciful. Yeah, right. He's merciful to us. We need to check maybe our, uh, me too, I'm, not, I'm just preaching to myself too, you know, our mercy towards other people, amen. Amen. amen, praise God, so mercy for our past mistakes, and grace, it's unmerited favor, but it's, grace is our help, just in time help, amen. for when, for right now, amen, yeah. so, past mistakes, we get, we, mercy, But you need to start trusting in the grace of God to help you right now for those temptations that come. Amen? Amen. So we know that the word says Jesus himself was tempted in all things like like we are, uh, but without sinning. So where does temptation come from? That's good. That's good. Yes. Okay. Let's look. turn over to Genesis 3. Satan is a tempter. Genesis 3, let's look at it here just for a minute. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than, the, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said... Notice he's questioning, right? I mean, really, did God really say... You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman spoke, said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I mean, has he really said... Has he really said... By his stripes you're healed? Is that what he really meant, though? Has he really said he would provide your needs? Has he really said... You should love your enemy. God will, I mean, Satan will use the word. (laughs) I'm going to get ahead of myself. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But but has he really said you can't eat of that tree? And she answered him, but you know what? She did not give him an exact answer, an exactly correct. If you look over in uh, chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 16, 17. This was the command. God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Well, the woman, she said that, but she also said she can't even touch it. I mean, so she added a little bit to what God said. Okay, so yes, Satan is the tempter. They were tempted in the garden and they gave in to that temptation. So that's true. But Satan is not the only source of temptation. Let's look at James 1. James 1. Thirteen says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Here it is. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So, Satan is not the only source of temptation. Amen. Amen? But... We know this right here. God is not tempting. God is not the tempter. We are drawn away by our own desires. This flesh that we live in down here, it, it wants to take us places we shouldn't go. It wants to do things we shouldn't do. Because there's something, in the, you know, a little bit about this sin that's in this world. There's something that wants to tell you that sin is fun. <laughs> you know, like sin... This is where the fun is over here, yeah. right? But it's a deception. Right. It may yeah. be for a, a moment yeah. that may have been fun to do, Amen. but there's going to be regrets oh, yeah. and consequences later. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we, we ourselves, our own flesh is a source of temptation. Yeah, right. Amen. And notice it's not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. Every single person, you should not be surprised if you are tempted. That just makes you a normal human being. Like, you're alive. (laughs) If you're you're alive, you're going to be tempted, okay? Um, So that's good news, you're alive. But, you know what I'm saying? Don't be surprised. But it's what we do with that. It's how we respond to that, whether or not we're in sin. Because so being tempted does not make you have not sinned. But it's when we act on those things. It's when we don't deal with it, when we just let it sit there, and then eventually we end up doing that, okay? Listen, don't put yourself in a position where you know you're going to face temptation. Sometimes we can't necessarily control our surroundings. But if you know, like, don't be going to the bar with your friend thinking, I'm going to be that good friend, yeah, I'm going to be that positive influence, I'm going to sit there with them while they're, you know, and maybe they'll feel guilty or whatever. No, more likely you're going to be drawn into to that. And what are you exposing yourself to in that environment? You're a better example if you just say, "You know what? I don't. You don't have to preach at people because your life should be a testimony." Okay. Now, if they ask you, say, "Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that." <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, you're not helping people by aiding them. You need to protect your own self and not put yourself in a place where there is sin is rampant, and there's temptation. Right. we got enough temptations to deal with. Why, why put yourself in a place where you know there's going to be more? Yeah. 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 Amen? So t- temptation, it comes from Satan, and it comes from our own fleshly desires, but it does not come from God. Amen. Amen. So let's, look, let's take a look. We're going to turn to Matthew 4. What did Jesus do when temptation came to him? And this is going to show us how we need to respond. Yes. Matthew 4. And this is a, this accounts over in Luke also. I mean, it's probably in John too, but Luke 4 is a, reference in Luke of this of this situation. So Matthew 4 actually I'm going to read in in uh, chapter 3 and 16. It says it's talking about Jesus. It says when he has been when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and suddenly a voice from heaven came, saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." Then Jesus, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Praise God, Jesus. This is uh, Jesus is getting ready to enter a new season, a new phase for him, for his, This is his, this is when his public ministry begins. Yeah. He was thirty years old. Um, but notice, right after that, he was led, by, led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yeah. So, no doubt, when we're, when we're coming into new phases, new seasons yeah. of life, yeah. now, no, Satan does not have all knowledge of everything. But there's activity, I'm sure, in the spirit realm, you know, where angels and demons and all that are, we can't see it, there's activity going on in preparation for changing things, new seasons, right? And that's a clue. It's kind of a clue. Like, he sees some things going on in your life, surrounding your life. There's activity going on. And he goes, okay, now it's time. It's time. It's time. We need to launch, you know, we need to launch an attack. This is a strategic time for the enemy To bring temptation into your life. When you're coming into something new. Amen. It happens every time when someone gets saved. They've stepped into something new. Something better. Right? Now Satan doesn't have their their soul. But he's going to try to make their life hell on earth. Okay? (laughs) And we just have to be aware of what he does. Praise God. So uh, just know that. When you're coming into new things. There's going to be opposition. Praise the Lord. Okay, so in in chapter 4, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that those stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So, notice here, you know, after 40 days and nights, you're going to be hungry. You know, Jesus was hungry. Like, we couldn't probably make it a couple days. I don't know. (laughs) Who in here has gone on a 40-day fast? I don't, yeah, I didn't think so. Now, I mean, yeah. So, he was hungry. Physically, he was probably weak. That's when the devil comes. He's going he's gonna to hit him where he's weak. He's going to hit you where you're weak. Amen. So, yeah, you know, weak prey is easy prey. It's in the animal kingdom. They, if, somebody, if like a chicken, like if one of them shows that they're like down or weak or whatever, those other chickens do have no mercy. They go and peck them to death. So I can't imagine that Satan's any better than a chicken. Okay. But he's going he's gonna to hit you where you're weak. He's going to wait till you're down. He's going to kick you while you're down. Amen. What did Jesus do? And he, he also said, uh, he said, if you're the son of God, if you're the, basically, since you are, I mean, Satan was not questioning his ability to turn stone into bread. Jesus could have done that. but Jesus answered him and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Praise the Lord. He will hit you where you're weak. He will, where your greatest need is, he may form a a temptation in that area, but there's always strings attached to the devil's temptations. He may offer you something that looks pleasing like here, like if Jesus were to turn, because Jesus was hungry, he's saying you need to do this so you can eat, don't you? Yeah, but there's there's strings attached. Okay, pick it up in verse 5. It says, okay, that one didn't work, right? That temptation didn't work. So then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, or since you're the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written. Now he's using Scripture here. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He did not misquote God. Right. The devil did not misquote God here. God did say that. Right. Uh, didn't God say those things about angels? Yeah. But he did it out of context. Okay, because Jesus said, well, yes, okay, but it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So the devil, this is, goes back to Genesis. He's, he knows the Bible. I, I'm going to venture to say that the devil probably knows more of the word than we do. And you, you're at a disadvantage when you do not study the Bible. Right. Because Satan knows the Word. <laughs> he knows the Word, and he knows just the Word to speak to you, maybe even through somebody else, that may lead you off a wrong way because it's taken out of context. Or it's not the whole counsel of a God. That's what we need to do when we're studying the Word. What does the whole counsel of the Word say? Because you can take a Scripture, you can find a Scripture, and make it say just about anything you want to. I mean, does the Bible not say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? The Bible says that. And so, you know, your friend, well, I'm going to get revenge because the Bible says an eye for an eye and a a tooth for a tooth. I mean, I have the right... I mean, the Bible says it. Well, but Jesus says you should love your enemies. How do you reconcile that? Those two seem to contradict. You need to, you have to, the whole counsel of the word. This is why there's a few places it says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You know, because if you're reading Job and you don't have Revelation of Job, you would say, from Job, look what God did. God, God destroyed, God stole, God took, God ruined his life. Look, he killed his family. That's, look what God did. Well, you know, Job's words are accurately recorded. And just because a word is accurate, accurately recorded, if something Job said, does not equate... To God being the one to, that spoke that. Right. See what I mean? So we can't just take a scripture, just flip to any old scripture and, and uh, yeah, just make it whatever we want to. Yeah. And we need this no- revelation. We need this knowledge in order to combat it when the devil tries to speak words to us that are the Bible. Yeah. Amen. But he does it in a wrong way. So, we have to study the Bible for ourselves. What, what's the context of that scripture? Amen. Who is he speaking to in this scripture? If he's not speaking to the church, which that would be us, is there a principle in there that applies to, your, to our lives? Is it literal or figurative? Amen. So, the whole counsel of the word. And, but Jesus answered him with the word. Amen. So, in verse 8... It says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Praise the Lord. In Luke 4... In his account, in verse 13, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, notice this, he departed from him until an opportune time. So he will return. And we don't need to be scared of the enemy. We don't need to be scared of the devil. He is already defeated. But we need to let him know, we know <laughs> you are defeated. Right? He, the only power he has over your life is what you give him. Amen. And so he's counting on our ignorance. And he's counting on us not responding to his temptation. Amen. So he will return. And so don't be surprised about that. And don't be afraid of that. He's like, he's like that telemarketer. <laughs> I'm sorry if anybody of you are telemarketers. <laughs> but, you know, you tell them, no, I'm not interested. Okay? I'm not interested, and then they will leave you alone. And, and you ask them, leave me alone, take me off here, And they do. They do. They leave you alone for a little bit. But then they come up with some new phone number to call you with. <laughs> like, if I don't recognize the number, I don't care who it is. I'm not answering it. <laughs> Yeah, they, they start to think. Oh, okay, she's it's been six months. She's forgot about us. <laughs> so they're gonna try again. Yeah, and they're gonna and if that you don't answer on that one, they're gonna call you with a different number. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but to get rid of them, you do the same thing. Either block them. Yeah. Or you say no, I'm not interested, and they'll leave you alone for a little while. Okay. That's, that's the devil. He's not going to give up. You just, you just push him off for a while. Amen? And so temptation's going to come to assault. What did Jesus do? He answered, he answered all of those temptations with the word of God. Amen. Praise God. So he was tempted in all areas like we are. And he had that appropriate response. That's how we are to respond. Is with the word of God. Now, the only way we can do that is if we know the word of God. If we don't know the word of God, it's not helping him. Amen. Praise God. He wasn't just, and he just didn't think about the word. He didn't, Satan didn't tempt him. And so Jesus thought, oh, why should we worship the Lord our God only? And this isn't going on in his brain, no. He spoke it. That was his answer to that temptation. And so it requires that we know the word of God. So when he's, When fear tries to come on you in the middle of the night, everybody's asleep, and he starts talking to you, and you feel that fear trying to grip a hold of you, if you know the scripture, you can say, no, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. No, I'm not going crazy. I'm not going crazy. I've got a sound mind. Praise God. Praise God. You know, that fear, it, you can feel it. Yeah. It grabs hold of your senses. Yes. Tries to get you in a panic state. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what we feel. That's it has to leave. Yeah. It has to leave. But we have to answer that with the word. Right. If you don't answer with word, it's just going to ramp up and get worse. Yeah. Amen. If you're, when you're tempted and you feel guilty or condemned about something that you've already repented on, but the enemy will come back at you. Yeah. But you did this. Yeah. But you lied the other day. Even though you've already repented, already talked to the other person about it. But see, you're a liar. All liars have their part in a lake of fire. The Bible says that. <laughs> see, he's going to quote the scripture to you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. you got to know how to answer that. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We, you have to know the word. And that is your answer to temptation. Amen. And when you, uh, you, you say no to your help, you say no to your answer when you say no to the word. Amen. Knowing the Word and answering with the Word is how we overcome temptations. Amen. Amen. And remember in Hebrews 4, don't, don't forget this, it says come boldly. Come boldly. So whatever you faced, you know when we miss it, we've all missed it. We, we thank God for His mercy. Amen. We, thank, we repent and we thank God for His mercy. Amen. Amen. And we just trust Him in that grace that He's going to help us. Amen. The next time temptation rolls around, he's gonna help us. But we have to be responsible. We have to get in the word. We have to know the word. Amen, there's no, there's no shortcuts. We, don't be going asking people for help when you're not willing to, here's your help. Going to other somebody else seems like the easy way out. But they don't know everything. Other people don't know everything. God, God, this right here is your help. So don't try to try to it's a quick get get the get help quick scheme by talking to somebody else. Here's your help. You need to get in there, Amen. And you need to know the word. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. I thank